Oh, those good old Midwestern values. Nobody wants to be offensive, even the Twins and the Guardians, but somebody had to win between these two teams that just don't want to be, don't want to offend anybody. Uh, combined 11 runs scored in three games over the weekend between the two teams, but somebody had to win that battle of utility, and that's somebody with the Cleveland Guardians for the first time since the weekend of April 14th. The Guardians have won a series. The streak is broken. It's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. Over there is Justin. I am Jeff. Uh, we are, you know, it's it's nice after losing five straight series in a row to to pick up a, a series win against the Twins, even if it started about as ugly as can be. Uh, it is. Listen, it, it, the Cleveland Guardians are still the worst offensive team in baseball, which says a lot when you look at some of the squads out there. But hey, they still managed to win. I have a feeling, though, that when you look at the Tigers. It's going to make this series look like a high-scoring affair. If we got 11 runs uh, in this series, Tigers, Guardians, two worst offenses in baseball, we're looking at like three and a half. I, I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, you know, they, they get base runners. Guys are getting there. They just they're not manufacturing. It's it's definitely weird. Their their walk rate is down. They're they're no longer first in stolen bases. They're sliding. There's a lot of things that aren't clicking. But hey. Uh, I don't care what isn't clicking. The pitching was there and they escaped uh, the series with the twins somehow winning two out of three games. They definitely escaped. Uh, The twins are now the, they, they are last in baseball and batting average. You know, batting average is kind of a, you know, a weak way to look at things, but to be fair, the guardians have scored or the guardians have uh, still 30 less runs than the twins. Um, Overall, though, offensively, I mean, the, the Twins are running away, uh, are going, are pretty, are not much higher than them in OPS. Like, this was an, a, a team of a battle of two very bad offenses this weekend. And, like I said, the Tigers, it's not going to look much better because their uh, OPS is even lower than the Twins. Uh, what was their combined three home runs at this weekend? I think two were by the Twins and one by the Guardians. The Guardians also, by the way, they won a week between home runs. They last last home run they hit was uh, Saturday with Mike Zanino until uh, Stephen Kwan's eventual game winner on Saturday night. So they won a week without home runs. They uh, the Twins are twenty first on league right now in OPS. Uh, they've had a few guys who are performing well. They've had some injuries and other things. Cleveland thirtieth. Uh, so yeah, uh, Detroit 29th. So it's just. You know, it's going to be a. a it's those Midwest the way, values. They want to be. I, they don't want to be offensive. Kansas City is twenty fifth, and how do you explain New York at twenty four? By the way, uh, or Seattle at twenty two? It's it's uh, a weird list of teams. Houston is twenty sixth. You know, your World Series champion Houston Astros. They can't hit yeah. either. It, it's it's a weird time. Uh, we'll have to see how things bounce out as the year goes on. Uh, but yes, do do we want to start with the games? Do we want to start with the roster moves? Let's start with the games. The Guardians finally won a series. Let's focus on the positives here. Uh, no matter how ugly it is, wins are wins, and they needed a series victory very badly, and it came at a good time because you're facing your the team that's the top of your division, and the Twins haven't really – they've pitched great. I, ironically, 
their pitching has been better this year than their hitting. I feel like the last couple of years, their hitting has kept them in it and until their hitting, all their hitters got hurt. But of course, Max Kepler had something to say about things this weekend, but great pitching. I, I think, I think we said this back in Seattle <clears throat> when Shane Bieber lost the first start of the season. Right. And it was Hunter Gaddis versus Robbie Ray. And it was like Cal Quantrill versus Logan Gilbert. We're like, well, the Guardians are probably going to lose three out of four because they've already lost to Shane Bieber start. The pitching matchups don't favor them. So they're probably not going to, they're probably going to get swept in Seattle to open the year. And then they, what do they do? I know Hunter Gaddis didn't pitch fantastic in that Seattle game early in the year, but they won that game. They won behind Cal Quantrill, even though he pitched pretty bad. So this weekend, of course, they lose to Bailey over Friday night. Um, and you think, oh, well, they're doomed because they're facing Sonny Gray, who I know everyone's like, oh, they've hit Sonny Gray in the past, but gotta remember who Sonny Gray has pitched against on this this Cleveland team because it's not it's not these guys it's it's guys they used to have really so and then you know you had Joe Ryan on Sunday who has been one of the better pitchers in the American League too against Cal Quantrill and Saturday was uh Logan Allen so the pitching matchups were fine for Cleveland but you kind of thought you know the Guardians are going to lose every game two to nothing this weekend and they won one game by shutting their team out they also got shut out but look at that they they lost the one game where they were facing a pitcher they should have beaten, and they won two games in a row against pitchers that they should have struggled against. So that's I'm, just I'm, the I'm fun not gonna of hear, baseball. I'm not going to hear any Bailey Ober uh, slander over here. Like him <laughs> such as College of Charleston Days. He's got an ER Come on. Under if you, you would have said going in, okay, who, who are the Guardians beating this week? Are they beating Bailey Ober? Are they beating Joe Ryan? Are they beating Sonny Gray? I said, okay, well, they'll probably beat, probably beat Sonny Gray, or they'll beat uh, – Billy Ober, maybe, maybe Sonny Gray if they're lucky. I didn't think. No, uh, I mean this is this team, so of course the one guy is is Bailey Ober because he throws the mm. lightest. So that's right. You know, if you look at it from what we've seen this year, uh, it makes a, a weird amount of sense. I'd be curious to go look at his data and see how he's pitched against Cleveland for his career. Uh, but yeah, I mean he, I mean ben, uh, Bettenfield was also awesome in that game. It's hard to really again blame the starters. I know people get mad about the whole like giving. Uh, three stars. It's like, you know, Battenfield would get one in that game, though. I, I don't know what I do with the other two. I guess maybe Naylor for the extra base hit, but like, yeah. but he would have definitely got one. Like, that's a performance that's worth mentioning, worth shouting out. He was really flipping good. Uh, did for you a guy know he who had there a perfect game? No. Did you know he had a perfect game? I did not know. I was, I, I was, I was at a, I was at a minor league game, so I, I was not super paying attention because I, I was trying to follow my phone, but uh, the place where I was covering a minor league game doesn't have internet, so very hard to, to follow things uh, when you're there. But yeah, I didn't know he had a perfect game going. I also was not aware Cal Quantrill had a, a no hitter going today because I knew he had a lot of traffic in the second inning, but I, I did not realize none of those were hits. So when they said, I, I did the know that one. Up. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't know, you didn't know Battenfield had a perfect game. No, because I didn't. Quantrill. Because, you know, it's like hanging out, at, you know, those, those the Friday evening game, like, you know, I had, I had in-laws in, it was a lot of things going on. Uh, but on the Sunday afternoon, it's like my daughter and everyone had gone to the pool. So it's just me and my my almost two-year-old. And, you know, I, I could put the game on my phone and turn off the volume and just kind of watch. So I, I was a little more locked in. And, you know, he had been resting beforehand and I had missed like the first inning. So what I always do is kind of scroll through and, and catch up. And I was like, oh, you know, nothing. And then, or no, I missed the first two because I scrolled through to see, because I think it was in the second is when all those base runners got on. Maybe it was the third. But uh I was like, oh, walk, walk, intentional pitch. Wow, he's lucky to get out of that. So I, I knew 
that that was a no hitter. And I was, my mother-in-law was actually uh, with us. I was like, there has not been a no hitter for this team in my lifetime. Cause I was supposed to, I did a bait if I was going to take my, my son to the pool that was going to close soon. And I'm like, ah, we couldn't make it anyways. Plus there's not been a no hitter in my lifetime. I think I'll stay here and see if this one can maybe hold up. It didn't, but I mean, the two guys that were most unlikely to throw a no hitter this weekend too. Like you talk about, um, talk about facing Bailey over a guy you thought you could hit the two guys that this weekend that you would have thought wouldn't have th- had a no hitter going would have yeah. been Peyton Battenfield and, and uh, Cal Quantrill. That's back to back outings for him though. Right. Isn't that like we were talking last for time. Cal, was pro- yeah. For probably last outing was his best outing of the year. Cause he was so bad for in every other setting. So it's like, that's two, two in a row. Yeah. And you, you pointed out to me today too. You said a lot of swings and misses today, which is yeah, very unusual. 11. Yeah, I think that's got to be a season high for him, without a doubt. Um, I don't think I saw threw, more than six in any box score for him. Yeah, and he threw a curveball today that I think was the last pitch of his outing that got out, got him out, and he was pumped up about that. So he was throwing a lot of his pitches to him. He threw sinker, he threw the cutter, he threw the curveball, he threw the splitter, he threw out his changeup. I mean, he kind of went kitchen sink today, and it was a lot of fun to watch because um, after that second inning, the traffic was not there. It was non-existent, and – uh, I guess it always just feels like guys are making hard contact against Quantrill, so you never expect him to to dominate because he's relying a lot on on Babip luck. But I don't know. The approach really worked today for him. Like it was it was sinker heavy, but or fastball heavy because he had the cutter as well. But you know he, he busted out a couple other pitches, and he had, he mentioned in the post game too. He said uh, the splitter has been the big thing he's been working on, and um, he said he hasn't been able to get himself in accounts where he can use that because he's so far behind. He got uh, eight swings on that splitter today and three swings and misses. So that's a pretty good percentage for him uh, to do that. And his velocity is looking pretty good. I mean, he was up to 95 today, almost 96. So that's a little bit up for him. I think we're seeing a couple guys. People were worried about velocity early on. We'll see what, what Shane Bieber looks like on in the Tiger series. But uh, Sam Hentges came back and his velocity looked pretty good. And I think a couple other guys, Trevor Steffen's velocity is starting to tick up. So I think some of these guys are starting to loosen up a little bit, which is good to go. And, and super good to see Sam Hentges back too, because he came in and looked really good. Got some key outs on Saturday night. Uh, Guardians really needed that. And and I still think that it would make sense to have Tim Hare in this bullpen, but I don't know who you sent down for him. But uh, Sam Hentges was, was a, a much needed return for this team. No, agreed. Uh, you know, he was setting himself up to be part of that, like, triumvirate at the back of the pen, especially with 99 struggles. It was not clean today. He got through it, but it wasn't clean today. Uh, you know, it's 99, nice to, by the way, still you know, coming out first. He's still coming out of the bullpen first. He's like he was the first guy out Saturday. He was the first guy out Sunday. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. Yeah, again, it's it. And as I was watching it, um, all I could think was like, I know they have the data. Why, you know, does Tito not understand it? Is he just so set into his guys that he's going to run his guy, um, you know, no matter what? But it's like it's his – he can't spin a fastball. So, you know, it, it, but at the end of the day, it's like he's it, – it wasn't about that. It was it was a walk and then a wild pitch and then a sack fly. He almost manufactured a run, I jokingly said beforehand. But before we get into all these specific games, we should do a quick sponsor break here at this point in the show. Thank you. 
And our sponsor today are our good friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, that's uh, be one giant contract, you'll be able to be back in the game in no time at all. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Don't forget to check out the Guardians and the Tigers this week on... Sirius XM. Search for the Guardians on your Sirius XM app to listen to the broadcast with Tom Hamilton. Before we get into a little bit more here, I wonder I know we talked about off air before we came on. The Guardians have kind of fallen back in terms of walks. They're not walking as much, which you know has been a problem. They've been getting into hitting into a lot of early outs. But look at look at the box scores from this weekend. I know they didn't walk a ton, but okay, so Friday night. Bailey Ober threw 91 pitches in seven innings. You know, not great. That's that's a lot. That's not a lot of pitches for seven innings. He he got deep into the game for them. And I know the other guys, you know, pitched pretty well, obviously. Sonny Gray, though, 90 pitches in five innings. They really got his pitch count up. And then today with Joe Ryan, Joe Ryan threw 100 and what? Did he get through five? Did he get in the sixth? He did he get in the sixth. Yeah, he got in the sixth. You know? So Friday night. Bailey over exits before he gets to hundred, but he goes seven. And then the next two days, they got guys who are over, over hundred pitches or just close to it in five or six. So yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan finished the full six. So like a hundred yeah. through six is, is a little bit, it's not like dramatic, but it's, it, it's, you know, there, it, it was better. It's, it's not as much with the one, you know, uh, the one pitch, but it's still, I'd like to see more of the walks and driving those numbers up even sooner. I'd like to see the hundred when you're at the beginning of the sixth, not after finishing the sixth. Uh, That's when, you know, they're being more effective, a little more selective. Uh, Get the pitch count up. That's what I'm saying. Like, even okay. They didn't walk today on Sunday. They walked three times against five total uh, walks this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think the, the narrative really is though. And like you said, the walks do need to come a little bit, but if they're driving up pitch counts, I think that's a sign where, you're doing a little bit better offensively. I guess you're looking at a silver lining there, uh, even mm-hmm. though they, I, I know they won this weekend. And then, um, Jeff, you wanted to bring up the yeah, they've So real quick before you do steals, I'll, I'll, let me say this. When they were scoring this weekend, what they did well is they've ran the bases well, first to third on singles. And then I don't know if you saw Saturday that Jose Ramirez going to third base. On, he realized that uh, nobody was covering third base, so he scampered over there. And Rocco Baldelli, of course, blew his transmission going out there arguing that uh, Jose should have been thrown out for being out of the baseline, even though the the runner, the 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 third baseman who went over to cover was blocking the baseline. So Jose had nowhere to go. And, you know, Rocky Ball, Rocco Baldelli blew a fuse over that. But that that's the kind of running they do well. But, you know, they are having some issues, which is very confusing running the bases otherwise. Yeah, the my okay, my big complaint is is the team for a good chunk of the first month was leading the league in stolen bases. Zero this weekend. And you know, Quan reached base in every single game. Sure, one of them was a home run, so he couldn't run, but Straw reached base in two of them. They're not 
they're running like they did a year ago instead of just going crazy like everyone else has. Like it, it they're not. We we sat there and watched you know someone like Anthony Volpe with the Yankees get on first base and take second and third. You know we've seen teams just know, hey, we don't need to bunt. We can run guys across because the catch like. Connor Wong, I don't know if it's still the case, was throwing out 50% of runners, and that was a godlike number. Um, it, guys who can't steal bases are stealing bases, and all of a sudden Cleveland's not. And I don't understand why they're not being super aggressive. When a Quan or Straw reaches first, they should be running every single time. Every single time. They should be basically trying to get that extra base, uh, especially when you don't have power. Like this team needs to run more than a team like the Yankees does. This team that is has 18 home runs, the worst in baseball. Washington, I think, is the second worst at 22. Tampa's in the 70s. This team of any team needs to run, and they're not doing it enough. They're third in baseball. They're like 11 behind the Pirates. Um, yeah, they need to run more. They they need to be at the top because if you can't hit extra bases, and yeah, they're up there in doubles. They do hit doubles, but they still don't hit a lot of extra bases. They have no power at all. You're going to put more pressure on the pitcher. You want to fill up that pitch count. It's more pressure when the runner is on base, when the runner is a threat to run, and when the runner is taking bases. And then when you're taking bases in the current setup, catchers are extra juiced. I've seen more pitches go into the out or pitches throws going to the outfield this year than I ever saw before. So, yeah, you got to be running. It's set up for you to run. The rule changes were to run. This is a young, fast team. They need to be running more. Do you think the fact that they have oh, – so, so this last seven days, this is a seven-day sample. They played six games. They attempted two steals, and they were two for two on both of them, but they only attempted two steals out of six games. Yeah. That's I agree that's not good for the team with the skill set and the way they want to no, play. The way this team is built with the rule changes, you have to run more. Yes, and I think the issue is, and I, I wonder if this is something that's been – maybe this is an internalized thought, but – over these last seven days, and again, this is a six-game sample, but their OP or their OPS, their OBP is two forty-nine as a team. Do you think there is some internalization that we don't have a lot of guys getting on base, so they're afraid to run into an out to take guys off the bases when they do get on because they're they're having such a hard time getting on base in general that when they do get on, are they afraid of running into an out and costing themselves base runners? If, if you're playing with that fear, then you shouldn't be managing this team. Bottom line, you, you can't, I'm not saying that's. I'm, I'm wondering uh, no, if that's I'm just like where, a wherever it comes from that internal fear. You can't have it, like for all the reasons, like in a sport, they're you, human. You have, yeah, but you can't have it. You got to just think, no, they're going to steal that base. Like especially when it's a straw on base. Like who's he's one of the most efficient base runners in baseball. Like you can't have any of that thought process. You have to because you're just hurting yourself. Like everything we know says that that stealing. I mean, right now, again, anytime they sack bunt, that should be a double steal. Like, it shouldn't be like the, a sack bunt. You don't need to give away an out. You have an opportunity just to go ahead and take it because the steal rate is historical right now because of the changes, because of everything working against the catcher. And with a team this young, this fast, this built for speed, built to get on base, they need to steal more. The only thing I can think is this goes back to like if you ever read the original Moneyball where uh, defense doesn't matter and you never steal bases because an out isn't worth the risk. And, you know, it like unless there's some degree of that still left in there, I don't know what it is, but I don't think it is because last year they led the league in stolen bases. Right. They weren't didn't, weren't they number one last year. Um, I mean, they, they were up there, but I mean, it they just, need to get back. Just be, I'm not saying it's a fear. I'm just saying I wonder if guy because there is always this talk of, OK, they need to. This is part of their issues with with not walking is 
they need to be able to pass the baton to the next guy. Trust the next guy to get it done. Don't try to do too much. I just wonder if some of that plays out in the running game a little bit because, uh, right, this is the same, most of the same group of guys. Obviously, you know, you had Josh Naylor and, and Austin Hedges a year ago, and now you've got Josh Bell. Owen Miller, I guess. I don't know. Not a great runner, but whatever. So you've, you've still got two guys who shouldn't be running on the bases and, and three guys between Zanino, Bell, and Naylor, although Naylor likes to occasionally take off on instances. But it is essentially the same group of guys, and you don't have Oscar out there, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, about him. not He's not a runner either, but everybody else in this team should be running pretty well, and they're not. So I, I just wonder if it's a, it's a cross between not getting on base and also being scared to run into an out. I just wonder if that's – Creeping in like, like it shouldn't it shouldn't come into Miles Straw's head because Miles Straw's been in the league long enough now and he is the fastest player on the team. Every time he gets on base, he should be running. It doesn't matter who is hitting in front of him or who isn't hitting in front of him, he should be stealing every time he's on base. Uh Quan and I mean Ramirez knows too. So I I, I don't know if it's just an issue of of compounding, not getting on base and also not trying to to run into an out. Do you want to quickly you got any stars of the weekend? I mean, obviously, Bat- Battenfield and Quantrill and what? Stephen Quan? Quan. Yeah, I think it's Quan. I know people will be like, oh, you hate on Quan. But like, oh, he had a good, he reached base in every single game in the series. He reached game two hits homer. today, game running homer. Um, yeah, he was he was solid throughout um, the, the whole weekend. You know, he, he is performing well. So, yeah. And then Battenfield and Quantrill without a doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, the Guardians made a bunch, a couple moves over the weekend. Uh, the roster is still strange at this point, to say the least. And we've got Guardians and Tigers, a uh, suddenly important matchup coming this week, because who saw that coming? Uh, we'll talk about all that next. All right. First of all, I just want to wait before we go in, uh, remind you to check out tomorrow's match on XM Sirius Radio. It is uh, Quantrell. Nope, that's wrong. It is Bybee versus Wentz. Uh, <laughs> Bybee on my fantasy team. So, uh, yeah, go check out Bybee versus Wentz on XM Sirius Radio tomorrow. Nice. All right, so if you lived under a rock all weekend and you weren't paying attention, Oscar Gonzalez is back in AAA for Tyler Freeman. So Gabriel Arias got a chance in right field on so, Saturday so now. To interrupt you, so now Freeman and David Fry cannot play, so that'll be great. Yeah, I have to ask. I I've watched plenty of Columbus games on on MILB TV, but I'm wondering, does that guy actually exist? Is David Fry? Can someone confirm David Fry's locker, his existence? Like, what is happening here? They, I think we saw Mabry's Valoria more than this, and I know they don't want Fry to catch necessarily. He's a, a safety blanket, but like. Not facing lefties, like they're not doing anything with David Fry. He what 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 is he here for? Um, is he a towel you, guy? Like, is he someone's? Does, is he bull, catching bullpens? Like, what's happening is, here? Uh, maybe he's like really fun to look at. I don't know. Is is he like here for the ladies or the dudes or whoever <laughs> want to looks at him? He's good guy, um, David Fry. I hear. So yeah, uh, no, it just it's weird. I mean, and yeah. This weekend was not was all righties, but even when they had lefties, we haven't seen him. So yeah, I, you know it's great. Tyler Freeman's here to not play. So uh, congratulations on your promotion, Tyler Freeman. Have a seat on this bench. We have super glued you to it. You can uh, ask for uh, some paint thinner later. What what like okay? 
find time for Tyler Freeman to play the way things are going. Like Oscar gets sent down and, you know, Will Brennan's having similar struggles. Unfortunately, they talked about it in the broadcast. He is seeing a lot of fastballs upstairs, which was a problem for him last year. And it was a problem for him in the minors and good velocity beats him upstairs. He's got to figure out a way to get on top of it or foul it off till he waits to get his pitch. And he's got to know guys have this book on him, but so Gabriel Arias gets a chance in right field on front Saturday against Sonny Gray. Doesn't do anything. And I think he, botched a play in right field from where I was sitting. I couldn't see it, but it looked like he botched a play, but like, is Gabriel Arias going to be starting in right field? Like a couple days a week. Like what, what's going to be happening here? Is he taking Oscar Gonzalez's at bats? And then, and then find, find me a way to get Tyler Freeman playing time because Arias went to short today. So he got back to back days worth at bats, which that's fine. He's need. I've said all along. I don't think Arias is the kind of offensive player that he can afford to sit for six days. Yeah come up and hit Tyler Freeman could Tyler Freeman could sit for six days, come up and ground out to second base or, you know, hit a line drive base it back up the middle. Arias cannot do that. But what do you, what do you think the plan is going forward? Like how, how are you finding at bats for these guys or how should they find at bats? Let's be honest. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Gabriel Arias gets six at bats a week and Tyler Freeman gets like one. Mm, I think we might see more of Arias. I think we might actually see, a stricter platoon with him and Brennan. I think that's, that's in the works. Um, You know, I, unfortunately, I don't think that Josh Naylor platoon is ever going to happen, even though it needs to happen. Uh, David Fry. No, he can't do that. I'm Ty Freeman. Either of them pick one, pick one for the love of all things. uh, Platoonish pick one to platoon there, but I think we'll see more of Gabby across uh, with stuff like that. When it comes down to the problem with Freeman, it's like, okay, so on a day where maybe, let's say, like, okay, so can we just set up a world where Josh Bell plays first base against lefties? That's not going to be great. Jose Ramirez is your DH. Give him an off day and tie Freeman at third. Boom. At least that gets Freeman a few uh, reps a week. And you put Arias but yeah, in right field. Yeah, Arias and Brennan being just their own platoon. Right now, Brennan looks a bit lost. It, it's not good. Um he he may not stick around another month. Uh, you know, we'll talk about, uh, you know, I don't think Valera is anywhere close to a savior. Uh, you and I have both been lower on him than the overall consensus. But at some point, they are going to say, hey, you know, Will, everyone kind of struggles with your first try. Go down, get things straight with regular at-bats in AAA that we can't, we can't allow you to get things straight in the big leagues. We just, we can't allow you to be this unproductive. So eventually he's going to go down and, and maybe Gabby turns into an everyday right fielder. They like him a lot. And I'll stand by what I said. The minute that trade went down, he was the number one piece in the Clevenger deal. He was the star. They believed in him. Then I don't think that they believe in him any less. Now he might get an opportunity to be this team's right fielder. I would not be shocked, but you might see a Valeria get called up to be a part-time guy because no rookie is getting a full-time guy on a call up anymore. Uh, it's like outside of Stephen Kwan when they really had no other choice, like and Oscar Gonzalez last year when they tried everything else. I, you know, I, and in terms of Oscar Gonzalez, like we'll see, he's got great physical tools, all accounts, a great dude. It was a fantastic story, but I listen, we always had our concerns, and this is kind of why. And even you know, Chris Antonetti's comments about like he doesn't have to lead the league in walks, but he needs to be a little less predictable, he needs to get a few walks. It feels like teams definitely got the book out on him. and it just wasn't going well. He needs the reps. That was the right call. Like, you know, in terms of who can ride the bench and who needs reps, Freeman versus Gonzalez, no brainer. 
Yeah, Freeman Freeman can afford not. To, I mean, I think we'd like to see him hit a little bit more, but I think he can afford to sit for a couple of days. His approach and his swing makes more sense for that. But yeah, Gonzalez's does not. And I don't really know. That's the problem with with sending guys out to AAA. And by the way, because this is this is a great example, Zach Plesac, on uh, his first start back in AAA, threw a seven inning complete game and a doubleheader, um, and gave up like what two runs. This is the great example of being a four A guy. Like when you've had a modicum of success at the major league level, it's easy to go back to triple a and just go down there and hit and do well, or, or pitch and do well, because major league hitters are really good at laying off stuff on the black. And they're really good at, at uh, knowing what's coming or, or knowing what, to, what your sequencing is. And they've seen you before and major league pitchers are really good at exploiting your weaknesses. Cause they get a book on you like Oscar Gonzalez, but guess what? Triple a pitchers, they throw meatballs. Sometimes they miss their mark more often. they, are more likely to live on the fringes of the strike zone. They don't have as good stuff. Like you're not facing a Sonny Gray in AAA, right? You're not facing a Joe Ryan in AAA. You are facing, you know, four A guys without, with the exception of you know your Gavin Williamses and some, some guys like that. But how you do against them is what is what matters because those are the guys that are going to be dominating you at the next level if you're not if you're not ready. Um, I don't know what Oscar's path back is truthfully because, like you said, we both had our concerns and they've got to find someone who can start producing out in right field sooner than later. And I just don't know what he can do at AAA Cause there's a good chance. Cause what, what happened to Framel Reyes a year ago? Remember he got sent down the guy raked in AAA. Like he, I know he had some spouts of where he didn't do well, but like the guy went down there and he was hitting during his mental break and it just didn't work. He never came back and he still isn't hitting. He's back in AAA with the Royals right now. So yeah, what you do in AAA, and it's not about results. This is the thing I think people get lose in the minor leagues. It's about an approach. Yes, it's it's not about. Yes, you don't want to go down there and hit a hundred, or you don't want to go down there and walk three times and strike out thirty. That's not good either. But that's that's approach numbers. But yeah, the results aren't always there. And then we did see this morning that, or on Sunday, that Chris Anthony said that George Valera might get back to AAA here soon. So, like Jeff said, he's not a savior. I'm sure they're going to want him to get some at bats in AAA, but. Yeah, maybe sometime before June, you know, if Valera comes back in AAA and starts hitting and, and Will Brennan's not hitting and, and I don't know, whatever Gabriel Arias does, he, maybe by June we see Gabriel, we see George Valera. We'll see what he does when he gets back in a week or so. Yeah, it's, you know, it, they're going to keep giving guys opportunities. And again, this is the worst team in baseball offensively. You know, not the lowest batting average, but second lowest. Uh, lowest slugging, you know, they can't hit homers. They're just not doing anything right. So you should try these guys. And personally, I mean, it, we know in the other interesting thing from Antonetti's statement, and by the way, like Antonetti and I saw Jason Lloyd posted about the Valera thing is the first place I saw it uh, online. That's that was up like this afternoon in case you missed it, like early in the afternoon. Uh, we also saw Cody Morris is pitching down there, pitched, you know, a, a situation. So there's some good news around on, on as well as, uh, what Savale is going to throw a, um, uh, a simulated game. And then McKenzie, after that, we had those two are both up to the simulated game point, but yeah, it's, pitching uh, isn't the problem. <laughs> no, but you know what happens if you have too much pitching, you call the so St. Louis weird. Cardinals. <laughs> Ooh, who, um, yeah. Okay. But who do you want? You don't want Wilson Contreras. <laughs> I mean, again, like, yes, you don't want Wilson Contreras, but 
Wanya Pez cannot find a place to play down there. I wanted Wanya Pez like over the offseason. Wanya Pez. I'm just saying, just saying, Wanya Pez, Alec Burleson, they got some guys who can't find spots. And if guys in Cleveland can't hit, then, you know, you can find some other approaches, um, some ways to do it. But that's a team that desperately needs pitching, and you can never have too much pitching. Uh, never, ever, ever. And, yeah, I mean, I look at this team, and you're hoping to try to catch what happened a year ago, which is, you know, Stephen Kwan had a great weekend but he's still not Stephen Kwan of a year ago. Andres Jimenez did not have a great weekend. He is nowhere near Andres Jimenez of a year ago. Um, You know, Ahmed is the Ahmed Rosario actually of a year ago. This is exactly what he did before he turned it on. Uh, Jose is not, he's, he's been good and he's creeping up and he's getting better. 800, I think, isn't it? Yeah. um, Is it still under, did it go back down after kind of, he's not quite. It's 799. Yeah. His his slugging percentage is 435 right now. He's not great right now. Uh, He's not bad, but he's not great. Like in the traditional sense of like Jose Ramirez is one of the five best hitters in the American league. That is not a true statement anymore. Um, Josh Naylor. No, no. Josh Naylor. It's been disappointing. Like you can go through Josh Bell is hitting well, but there's no power and you brought him in for power. As a whole, this team is just disappointing. So you need some charges from somewhere. You know, maybe Freeman gets some opportunities. Maybe Gabby Arias getting to play nearly every day. If they decide, hey, we're going to have him play some shortstop, some right field. We're going to get him more bats. Maybe he figures it out. But they need to do something and they need to get going. And honestly, I'm to a point now where I, I know I've I've preached patience with Ahmed Rosario, but Ahmed Rosario just isn't good enough to be patient. And like I would call up Rokio. Like he's got nothing left to prove. He's your shortstop of the future. Enough of this junk that we're going to resign uh, Ahmed to a contract. You can't sign a dude to a five-year contract, pay him, you know, nine to ten million a year when he can't hit for the first two months of the year. And you know, Rokio has a chance to be something special. They, they, yeah, I'm, I'm back up Ahmed. Like that's where we should be. Honestly, it shouldn't have been calling up Ty Freeman. No knock on Ty Freeman. He's earned this opportunity. It's fine to call him up. But what they should have been, plays. if he plays, what they should have been is calling up Brian Rocchio, making him your starting, starting shortstop, turning Ahmed Rosario into a platoon partner with Josh Naylor, and then moving on from there. And you know what? If Ahmed starts to heat up and becomes a league average bat, you find other ways to play him and you move guys around. But right now, he's one of your worst hitters. There's no reason to make, you know, let a guy who's more than ready to hit, hit. And then real quickly, too, I know some people got mad over the weekend talking about how... Free, uh, after after one of the games, Tito said, "You know, we aren't we aren't going to AAA for guys to help. There's no one down there who's going to help the guys in the roster hit better." And I know people are saying, "Well, we have John Kenzanoli, we have Bo Naylor, we have Rokio, or whatever." This is this is the behind the scenes stuff. Like people took it as, "Oh, Tito doesn't know who's doing well in AAA," or Tito doesn't doesn't believe anybody in AAA. No, this that that is the behind the scenes Tito stuff. Like, stop. Never mind. I'm not going to tell people how to feel, but. That's that's not ring between the lines of a Tito quote. That is him not throwing his guys under the bus. That is why, like, we can be mad about all the things that he doesn't during the games, like not playing Tyler Freeman or not playing David Fry against lefties or 99 being the first guy to the bullpen in a jam, even though he's been terrible this year. That stuff is all, you know, up for debate at times. The stuff behind the scenes, this is him not throwing people under the bus and keeping the clubhouse together because this is still a clubhouse of young guys and they're trying to find their way right now. And they're trying to live up the expectations of, of winning a division because they did last year. And it's, it's largely the same group of guys minus a couple. So this is him trying to keep guys together and confident because this is what he is good at. He is good at 
managing the locker room. And that's, I would say, I don't know, 80% of what a manager does. So if you read that as Tito has no idea what's going on, I think you're, you're severely misreading the whole entire situation and you're not, not really reading the context of his quotes. And, and that's fair because he's never going to give you a flat out answer. Hey, I'm just trying to protect my guys. Like you have to be able to read these and, you know, to see what he's saying, what he said in the past. And this is what he is good at doing. So, you know, hopefully that works, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't misconstrue that as anything else. I don't think he's all that focused though on the guys down there either. I mean, I don't well, think he shouldn't he, be They're not. He's no. got to worry about 26 yeah. guys up here. But, he I mean, you can think about them kind of trying to hide the double a arms. So like he probably could, there could be a degree of like him legitimately. I don't, I don't think it's a, I would view it as he's focused on the guys on his roster. Those are his dudes. He's going to go to war with those dudes and he, things that they're going to all recover. And, you know, I, I don't know how much he, he does know those other guys in AAA in depth at all. Okay. But Tanner Bobby wasn't on the roster start this year. You think he's not ready to go to war with Tanner Bobby every day? Yes, he is. When he they is. get there and they play, yeah. they're his dudes. Yes. hundred percent guys in the locker room are the guys he worries about. Yes. So I just, I think that's where the focus is. I, I, I right. do think that he probably doesn't know the minors super duper well. I think it is. You think he doesn't know who Bone, what Bone is doing? No, he doesn't I know do. what, well, I don't think he, I, I, I don't think he really cares what Bo Naylor's doing in, in a way. I think like he knows to a degree that he's playing well, and that's all that you know. He probably sees the scouting report, but like he, he probably just like really like you know stat line or like not that he'd ever know a stat line, but I'm just saying like he knows the guys are doing well. He's he's getting a coaching report probably, but it's it's about what he's working on. It's not about the the overall. Oh, right? No, I'm not saying you know? that. Yeah. So I and I do think that you know there is a limited, and I don't, I think if you ask him about guys even down as far as double a he's probably not that involved i think it's only those guys on the cusp and that's you know goes back well yeah i'm not asking him to know about yeah. jose tana i don't care about that i'm just saying if you think that he doesn't know if he, someone's not telling him about bo naylor or they're not talking about you know situations or scenarios for that stuff so you or, heard it here first justin doesn't care about jose tana run with that one that that's uh, what, what we just heard. Thank you for listening. Please download, subscribe, and review, and all that good stuff. And listen to us tomorrow after the Guardians lose one to nothing uh, to Joey Wentz, soft tossing left hander. Is Joey Wentz a soft tossing left hander? He's a left hander. Um, he's got decent velocity for a lefty. I want to say I don't think he's super okay. soft. Um, but I have I officially made Tanner Bybee. Uh, I drafted him onto in our fantasy draft. Speaking of our league fantasy draft, uh, which I'm not good about checking, but I moved him into my starting rotation. So expect him to suddenly start failing because that's how this goes. Oh, team injury. Well, it's don't, not just team injury. Do I, I do want to point out my so rare team drafted uh, Zanino and Jimenez and class a. So just, just well, say it was good this weekend. Yeah. At least the, there's one, but uh, at miles straw as well. I, I ever, it seems a uh, curse. Uh, kiss of death this is a long-standing joke amongst my friends starting when i drafted jeremy sowers after his one good second half um yeah it uh i, I had five years in a row where my first round pick got hurt a month into the year and missed the entire year so um i didn't I, and I, I i didn't draft him because i was late but juan soto was my first round pick who was struggling this year so it's not an injury but hey the curse somehow you're not in last continue. and somehow you're not in last yeah. in the fantasy league i don't know how you're actually above me you're in seventh now and somehow Zach is in last place. I don't know how. I think yeah, it's because he probably drafted Tobias Myers. That's probably why. Yeah, probably. I mean, Tobias Myers is the kiss of death. <laughs> Again, whew, think that could have been, and I'll point every time, I'm just going to be thankful it's only Junior Camaro because that could have cost them Camaro and Cantillo. And then we could just all sit here and cry into our drinks if that was the case. 
But uh, thank you all again for for doing your part. Another long show today. We got to be better about that. But I uh, hope you appreciate. If you enjoy the long show, make sure to comment below so you can always be like, "Hey, people want that." Uh, and if you're listening on your iTunes, uh, make sure to leave a review. If you're listening on any podcast service, leave a review, and then also go comment comment on the YouTube and say, "I like the long version and audio because hey, the more data we got, the better." Uh, thank you all for watching, listening, subscribing, commenting, sharing having some fun uh, with us. Shout out to, we said Zach is an everydayer. Um, you know, I was trying to think anyone else. Uh, uh, if I mentioned, I think it's John Baker. Uh, John, I'm sorry if I got your last name wrong. Um, because I know someone who's got a name very similar to yours. Uh, who married a friend of mine named Faye. And I don't think you're that dude. You look too young. But uh, thank you to all of our everydayers. And uh, go, go, Guardians, go. <laughs>